0: Welcome to the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520, Blanketing 17 States with 50,000 Watts of Clear Channel Power. I was at the same location in Palm Beach about 12 years ago when we did a taping with Larry Lamer, who is a famous author of 16 books, and then we talked about the book Madness Under the Power. Royal Palms, and we had a great response from people in New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and now we have with us today Larry Lamer back again. I saw the production of Rose, which was an intimate portrait of Camelot's Queen Mother, about Rose Kennedy, and it was a very compassionate, warm uh, impression of Rose Kennedy's life. Uh, There have been so many negative Uh, portrayals of the Kennedy family in the last 30 years, and I'd have to say this showed a very warm, compassionate light on Rose Kennedy. To tell you a bit about Larry Lamer, best-selling author of 16 books, including The Kennedy Women, Madness Under the Royal Palms. Larry Lamer is an award-winning journalist whose work has appeared in the New York Times Magazine, Harper's, and Playboy, Recently written cover stories for Newsweek. He lives with his wife, Vesna, in Washington, D.C., and Palm Beach, Florida. Our guest today on the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. Again, I saw the program with uh, author Paulette Cooper Noble in Palm Beach. has authored 20 books and they, uh, Paul and Paulette Noble, were very impressed as I was of the warm compassionate treatment you gave to Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy. Let's talk about the play Rose, An Intimate Portrait of Rose Kennedy which has uh, been uh, played in Chicago and in Boca Raton. Let's talk about it. What is the play all about, Larry Lamer?
1: Well first of all, Brian, the play was off Broadway originally. Two years ago, and Kathleen Chalfont, the well known actress, uh, played Rose. And uh, it's now in both. It, it, by the time your listeners are hearing this, mm-hmm. it'll be back in Chicago. It's going to be in Chicago in January and February of, of next year, of 2018. Very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about
0: the substance of the play, what you were trying to portray of uh, perhaps. Uh, the world's most famous matriarch, uh, a wife and ambassador, a mother of a U.S. senator and president. Uh, Let's talk
1: about what you tried to create with Rose. When I was writing my book, The Kennedy Women, I became friendly with Robert Coughlin, who was the ghostwriter on Rose's autobiography. I worked five years on that book. In the middle of that, uh, Mr. Coughlin died. And his widow invited me uh, out to her house in Sack Harbor. I went out there, took her to lunch, came back, and was about to leave. And she said, I have something for you. We went back in the, uh, in the back room, and there were these uh, leather boxes full of tapes, maybe a hundred tapes, including 50 hours of interviews with Rose Kennedy. Now, they were the unique interviews because the Kennedys controlled this book And so she could say things she wouldn't say to any outside reporter. She's very honest. I listened to that, thought this is a treasure. I wasn't sure about the legality of using it, and I decided to wait a while. So I waited a number of years, and then I thought, what should I do with this? I'll write a play about this. And so I listened, I spent one week listening to the 50 hours. And then I wrote a play that takes place the week after Chappaquiddick. In the house in Hyannisport, the family summer home, and Rose is obviously disturbed that her that her, that her, that her, her last living son Teddy has had an accident in which a young woman has drowned, and uh, she she, uh, she sits there and she's trying to and she's talking to Mr. Coughlin. Mr. Coughlin has come to interview her, and he says she says, "My wife, I'm surprised you come. coming. Didn't know you shouldn't have come today, but you're, since you're here." we're going to talk you may leave your tape recorder on but a lot of this we're not going to you're not going to be able to use but you must understand what my life is truly about so 90 minutes she tells the story of her life and when i decided to write this play i saw i went to new york and i saw every one person play i could see and i read every one person play i could see and what i discovered was that most one person plays their celebrations of a famous person, mm-hmm. okay? They're not real plays. They're monologues, with the audience comes there, maybe it's Winston Churchill, maybe it's Golda Meir, uh, or Eleanor Roosevelt, whatever. But you want to see this figure, this positive figure. But nothing much happens in the play except maybe tell the story of their life. I want to do a play in which the character evolves. And in this play, Rose struggles. She struggles with the truth. She struggles to figure out what has happened. She struggles with her faith. She, she struggles with men, with men who, have be, who have she, in the end, she feels have betrayed her. So after the 90 minutes, you really get a feeling of the evolution of this character as she learns.
0: Very good. Well, I was very moving and very compassionate, and I escorted Rose Kennedy some 35 years ago to a number of events, and I fo- found her to be very warm and compassionate and loving, and I got the same impression from your play, uh, Rose, uh, in the performance in Boca Raton, Florida. Let's talk about this actress, and I mentioned this to our guest today, Larry Lamer, about how much concentration it takes for a one-woman show for 90 minutes to memorize all these details and facial expressions um, to also be coordinated with the Uh, photographs of the Kennedy family and the phone ringing and so many little distractions. So it takes supreme concentration, I believe, for the actress to do this. So let's talk about your feelings
1: about how Kathleen
0: uh, Chalfant uh, played Rose Kennedy.
1: Well, Kathleen Chalfant played her in New York in the off-broadway production. She's a famous actress and she did a terrific job. But I, d- during the during the month it ran off or so it ran off Broadway, you know, I saw the play several bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And I made some significant changes in it. And when uh, uh, it was taken to Chicago at the Greenhouse theater, uh, i I went out for the first rehearsal with with the play with the changes in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first day, uh, this actress Linda Ryder comes in. the first okay. place, she seemed too young. And I just thought, this is a disaster, why did I give my play to this woman, to this, to this, to this theater? And then we sat on at the table, and she started reading, she hadn't memorized this, she was reading the script, right. and I thought, I can't believe this. I mean, This is Rose Kennedy. She even looked a little bit like her. like her. Yeah. She looks like her, and if you see the play, she walks like a, she's a 78, you're seeing a 78 year old woman there, the way she walks, her gestures, everything. And she came to inhabit this role, and she was talking about how she'd be taking the train in in Chicago, and she'd be so much into the character in in her head that she'd start crying on the train. People would see her crying. And it is one. It's just the most magnificent performance, and it's draining to her. When I, when I saw was here at Boca opening night for the play, mm-hmm. I wanted to see her afterwards. I was with some friends, and I, went, I waited, and waited, and waited, and finally gave up, because it takes her a good half hour to come down from this. It's that draining. So much concentration. So much concentration. Mm-hmm. And you see her, somebody said, well, what does she do to cry? What does she put Glycerin in her eyes. She doesn't do anything. Just She's just able to cry. When it's time to cry, she cries.
0: Well, Linda Ryder did an excellent yeah. job. I, I was very impressed. And her timing and her elocution, her uh, speech sounded very much like yeah, Rose Kennedy. It's just amazing. So, uh, did she listen to these tapes also? She listened to some of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. For those who just tuned into the Rusk Report, we're talking to author of 16 books, Larry Lamer, at his home in Palm Beach, Florida. Again, He has the play that has been in Boca and and New York and Chicago, Rose, an intimate portrait of Rose Kennedy. So we're learning a great deal about America's most famous matriarch on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. If you're listening in Buffalo or Montreal or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our recent programs on Kaylee's Kindness with Young Ladies Afflicted with Cancer, Ambulatory Care Center, and coming up, we'll have another offer. author coming up, Charles Todd, who's ri- written some uh, 20 books on Ian Rutledge, Um, an investigator and we'll also have Ron Zeller who has a book coming out too, all in the Rusk Report on ESPN radio. A little bit uh, here, a plug, West New Yorkers love their traditions and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper as well as recipes and a calendar events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampo Legal. The Ampo Legal is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. Again, a little bit of information about Larry Lamer, acclaimed author of 20 books. He's the best-selling author, including The Kennedy Women and Madness Under the Royal Palms. Larry Lamer is an award-winning journalist whose work has appeared in New York Times Magazine, Harper's and Playboy, and who has most recently written cover stories for Newsweek. He and his wife, Vesna, uh, live in Washington, D.C. and Palm Beach, Florida, where we're taping this program today. Uh, Let's talk about uh, a little bit more about how uh, the press uh, has treated the Kennedy family and their image in the United States. Uh, it seems that much more negative in the last two decades about the Kennedy legacy than you portrayed in your play
1: about Rose. Well Brian I think what happened was that when Jack Kennedy died Uh, It was such a devastating moment for American civilization, a watershed. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jackie Kennedy, that weekend, uh, uh, went up to Hyde and met with a reporter and told him about Camelot, how this had been Camelot. The Kennedy, the the, the thousand days had been a really Camelot, this romantic, royal uh, feast. Well, you know, it wasn't true. No presidency is like that, but we wanted to believe that. And in those early years, there were incredibly romanticized portions, mm-hmm. p- portraits of the Kennedys, right. And and some of these people, like Arthur Sessinger Jr., he knew these other truths, but he felt that it was important. That's not what he wanted the story he wanted to tell. So so slowly the revisionists began, and. Many of them did excellent work, but it reached the point where there was so much money to be made by writing about the Kennedys, and, and, and often so little new to be said, that people started becoming more and more negative, and basically even making up things, and, and, it, and it totally reversed until it became just this savagely negative look at this family that I, that I think contributed a lot to American life. Let's talk about the pain
0: of Rose Kennedy, and you could see it in the play Rose, uh, written by our guest today, Lawrence Lamer. And uh, in the information that Newsmax put out, it says that she is the long-suffering, yet supremely resilient matriarch of America's most idolized, romanticized, and demonized political family, the Kennedys. She had a lot of pain. She had a lot of suffering. It seems that she had a lot of faith, too.
1: Well, without that faith, uh, she wouldn't have survived. She went to, you know, she wanted to be a modern young woman and go to Wellesley College. Her father met the bishop on the street and the bishop said, you can't do this, you're the mayor of Boston and Mm -hmm. uh, your daughter has to have a religious education. So she ended up going to, being educated by the, the nuns of the Sacred Heart in Holland, where she actually became fluent in German. And that faith, that 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 was her salvation. It was always there for her. It really was a. She says in the play, it's 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 a discipline she had, and she never strayed from that road. And that's what I think more than anything else allowed her to go on. I met
0: her many times at Saint Edward's Church in Palm Beach when uh, Dennis Spear would bring her there for. I think it was the 830 Mass uh, 30, 35 years ago, and I I know what a devout uh, woman she was. Now, in the play, there's quite a bit of attention on uh, Chappaquiddick, this terrible tragedy that so many uh, writers and political analysts have said destroyed Teddy's chance to be president of the United States. Uh, After the sympathy with the killing of both John and Robert, a lot of people thought that Teddy would be a shoe-in, but then all of a sudden Chappaquiddick, where the young Polish woman, Mary Jo Kopechny, was killed in the car, and I believe he took about 18 hours till he called the police, and many theories have said that she could have lived for five or six hours in the car, that there'd be enough air supply in the car, but she died, and it basically destroyed any chance for uh, Teddy Kennedy to become president. Let's talk about the effect on rose fitzgerald kennedy this terrible tragedy of chappaquiddick that you probably went into 15 or 20 minutes uh surrounding this horrible uh, part of american history uh how did
1: it affect rose fitzgerald kennedy well i mean she she couldn't show the depths of the pain in, in whether it was the death of jack or or, or joe junior or or uh, or bobby kennedy she had to be have the strength so the rest of the family wouldn't fall apart. With Chappaquiddick, she didn't want this to end the family dynasty, and there was considerable thought of, of Teddy leaving. Teddy had a mistress, who he called him. His first call was to his mistress, not his lawyer. And uh, and I believe she lived in Palm Beach. She lives in Palm Beach. Palm Beach. Yeah, oh, she's today. still here. Yeah, yeah. I uh, met her a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Anyway, so there was a real possibility he was going to leave, and 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 she wants him to go on, to continue this family history, not to give it up, and that in the end is what he does, and he becomes one of the most consequential senators in American history. Whatever your politics are, that can't be denied, and and he's a kind of a, a voice that. Uh, we missed today, because he, he could go on both sides of the aisle and deal with people. As liberal as he was, he had a lot of conservative friends.
0: Yes, I have spoken to U.S. Senator Orrin Hatch yeah. about Teddy Kennedy. He was very fond of right. him, uh, and he even said that he told him to clean up his act right. uh, and concentrate, and then he became a very good senator and even uh, worked with President Bush. Uh, uh, very closely, I believe, on the education programs. Let's um, uh, talk a a little bit about your detailed knowledge of Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy. You talked about the tapes for for Times to Remember, and I'm very honored. I have a copy autographed by Rose Kennedy of Times to Remember because I was very close to two of her priests, Monsignor Jeremiah Omahini and Father Walter Hartnett. Now, let's talk a little bit about your knowledge, your research. You talked about those tapes. Now, were all those tapes used in Times to Remember? Or were there a lot of off uh, No, I mean, uh, they tapes? chose...
1: Look, uh, I think Times to Remember is a good book. I mean, people yeah. put it down because it's... Uh, it's a
0: little you know, long. It's it's a, a little and long. it
1: doesn't have the negative things, so that's yeah. fine. You have a right in, in, your, in your memoir to say what you want to say. And... Uh, but uh, but the, the, a lot of the stuff in the tapes wasn't used cause it, cause it, because it, she, they, the Kennedy didn't think it was appropriate. And some of the tapes are interesting, aren't about her, they're about the family mm-hmm. getting together and deciding what to do about Rose's book. And they pick it apart, the things that they, they want this changed, that changed. They're concerned about themselves and not about her.
0: For those who just tuned in to the Rusk Report, we're speaking with the author of 16 books, Lawrence Lamer. We're taping this at his home in Palm Beach, Florida. If you're listening in Manhattan, northern Florida, Buffalo, or Toronto, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet... Uh, Cards and letters from our Canadian and European uh, listeners. For those who just tuned in, Lawrence Lamer is the best-selling author of 16 books, including The Kennedy Women and Madness Under the Royal Palms. Lawrence Lamer is an award-winning journalist whose work has appeared in The New York Times. Harper's Playboy and has most recently written cover stories for Newsweek. He lives with his wife Vesna in Washington, D.C. and Palm Beach, Florida. Acclaimed author Lawrence Lamer. And again, we're talking about the play that I saw opening night in Boca Raton. It's called Rose, an intimate portrait of Rose Kennedy. and It was a very compassionate, caring um, portrayal of uh, Rose Kennedy. Uh, were you surprised by any of the information on the forty hours of the taped interviews? Did anything strike you uh
1: strongly well as i as as I show on the play in the end she turns she turns not to God but to Greek tragedies. She begins to read these Greek tragedies mm-hmm. and she founds she finds solace in that. It was it was her brother Bobby who, after the death of Jack, who, who Jack Jackie gave him some some uh, books to read about uh, Greek philosophy and tragedies, and and he, and he, he that meant so much to him, and so these books, these books meant to her and her idea that the classic Greek idea that you, as she says in the play, you you reach we just reached too high, for a while we were you know. Above the horizon, but then we we fell as it was inevitable we fall. Now, we talked about the pain, we talked about
0: the faith of Rose Kennedy. Uh, let's talk about the anger. Did you sense uh, anger at the world or anger at history or the circumstances? Um, let's talk well, about I, that I, if I, she displayed anger to you, well, especially when you listen to those 40 hours of tapes. Well,
1: what. Makes this play so contemporary is Mm -hmm. her her, so much of her anger is about men, yeah. And she says that she's played men all her life, she obeyed her father, uh, who who didn't want her to go to a a woman's college and be a a woman of the modern world. Uh, she obeyed the priest who told the priest, the bishop that told her that her daughter, who was was marrying a Protestant, was going to hell. you know, she 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 obeyed all of these men during her entire life, and she and she realizes that that's that's wrong, and she doesn't want her daughters to do that. She wants her daughters to have their own lives. Now,
0: I thought the most moving part of the production was about Rosemary, and uh, there have been a lot of portrayals of Joe Kennedy being very callous and going ahead and taking care of this uh, lobotomy towards his daughter. Uh, there's a woman here in Palm Beach who says she knew her B. are and said she was not mentally retarded, she was mentally ill. And uh, there have been very negative portrayals of Joe Kennedy uh, taking care of this surgery without family consent and basically um, turning the daughter into much of a vegetable for the rest of her life. That seemed to be the strongest part of the play to me, was... Rose lacking in control and strength over the situation with Rosemary who seemed to be a very beautiful woman but had psychological problems and then after the surgery basically was uh, reduced to a horrible situation. Let's talk about Rosemary, the pain on the Kennedy family and on Rosemary
1: with her daughter who had this very unsuccessful surgery. Okay, first of all, it's absurd, the idea that she was not intellectually disabled. She was, she was mildly intellectually disabled. At that, in the 20s, the eugenics movement, and the idea of bad blood, if you have right. this in your blood, uh, don't marry into the family, be away, stay away from that. And the, that the fact that the Kennedys had Rosemary, kept her in the family, and didn't this incredibly ambitious family, didn't shut her away, put her away so that nobody would even know she was in the house. They didn't do that, and they tried to educate her as best they could. She couldn't, even, she couldn't uh, drive a, uh, a tricycle, for example, I and mean, she, she was intellectually disabled. Uh, Thanks, in part, to the Kennedys, and Special Olympics, which is founded by Eunice Kennedy Shriver, we have a different attitude toward the intellectually disabled now, and a person like Rosemary would probably live in a group home Mm -hmm. and might work at McDonald's or do something like that, but it was only, or even if she'd been in a farm family in the the Midwest, she would have been able to do that and and married and all, but in the the high-powered, brilliant Kennedys, she, she was slow. In every way, and when she was, and when she got in her early twenties, at that time, what do you do for somebody like that? In that time, there's nowhere for her to be, and she was in a convent outside Washington, sneaking out at night. And the Kennedys feared she would would be picked up. She's a beautiful young woman, yeah, and at Very the first, attractive. And at first, seeing her, you don't know that some guys were hitting up on her. They were afraid she would get pregnant or get some disease. And Joe Kennedy was a man who felt he could take care of everything, take care of anything. He was a problem solver. And very often, wealthy people get lousy medical care because they go to these doctors to do things that that you and I couldn't get a doctor to do for mm-hmm. us, okay? And the lobotomy was an operation that had only been done on 500 people in the whole world, never in somebody like Rosemary. But Joe got this doctor in Washington, D.C. to do it. Uh, the operation was a failure, and she was left with the mental age of a four or five-year-old. And he shipped her off, and she ended up, eventually ended up in Wisconsin. Yeah, and she was just out of the family. I mean, the family letters—she wasn't even mentioned anymore.
0: Yeah, it was very tragic, very sad. And it seemed that Rose had an in inadequacy dealing with uh, the situation with Rosemary, not seeing her for
1: years, and. She couldn't stand up to her to her husband yeah. that's what her husband said. We don't talk about her anymore, and it was only after her husband had his stroke and that that that, that uh, Rose would go out there and Rose went out there and and uh, Rosemary remembered her and didn't, didn't want anything to do with her it, It's the worst tragedy in the Kennedy family because it's something they did to themselves
0: right. It was not an accident It, right. w- it was done intentionally by Joe Kennedy, right. and it seemed that he left. His wife out of the picture on this. Well, maybe some of the negative portrayals of Joe Kennedy are justified. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. I'm sorry, we have to bring uh, the Rusk Report to a close on ESPN AM 1520. We're uh, talking with Lawrence Lamer about the very compassionate and positive portrayal of Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy in the play Rose, an intimate portrait of Rose Kennedy. Special thanks to our director of production, Kevin. Carr, and uh, thank you for enlightening us about this uh, brilliant play that has been uh, performed in Chicago, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida. Thank you for being with us, Lawrence Lamer. Have a great week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?